All right, I am doing something crazy. We are starting a new audiobook. I'm not telling you what it is yet, but it's uh, starting here in just a little while, so stay tuned for that. But before we get to that, I am giving away the first 10 chapters of this audiobook as an exclusive bonus to anyone who leaves a review between now and the end of July 2021. So if you're listening to this in uh, the month of July 2021, leave a review of Another World Audiobooks, hopefully you know a positive review, <laughs> uh, and uh, let me know. You need to send a screenshot or a link to your review you to anotherworldaudiobooks at gmail.com. Just make sure to use the subject line next book uh, with maybe an exclamation point so I know what's going on. So uh, yeah, leave a review, send me an email of your review, and I will give you a shout out on the show and I will send you the first 10 chapters of the next book. And remember, it's a surprise. So nobody knows what this book is except me and soon to be you after you leave that review and send me an email to anotherworldaudiobooks at gmail.com. Remember, this is only going through the end of July, so get on it, leave a review, send me an email, and I will send you the first 10 chapters of this next book that we're going to do, which is still a mystery, so do it now! And welcome back to this, the second to last chapter in The Return of Tarzan. We are almost there, folks. Stay tuned for next week where we're going to have the amazing finale of the show, which uh, I'm very excited about. Not of the show. The show goes on, but the book is almost done. And you know what that means. I need to hear from you. Get in touch with me, anotherworldaudiobooks at gmail.com. All the links uh, for email and social media, every way to get in touch with me are down in uh, the show notes. So check those out. Uh, but first of all, got to give a huge shout out as always to amazing patrons who make this show possible i really honestly could not keep doing what i'm doing without the amazing supporters that this podcast has got to give a huge shout out to ediosa renee mike and corky thank you so much for supporting the podcast if you want to become a loyal citizen of another world audiobooks go to anotherworldaudiobooks.com and there is a link to support the podcast. So click on that. goes to the Patreon where we have some awesome, awesome uh, perks for you to just sign up and uh, become a, a patron of the show. We'd love to see more people doing that. If you want to do that, uh, go to anotherworldaudiobooks.com. And again, have to give another shout out to uh, E. Burnson, who also left a YouTube comment last uh, last time. And I need to give him another shout out because he left another YouTube comment that was pretty cool. He said, uh, this is on the, the Princess of Mars. He's that this was absolutely epic what a vastly underrated book and character so um he said uh, keep up the great reading and thanks so much so thank you e burnson again i'm sorry if i'm pronouncing your name right never can tell with those um uh youtube usernames and that sort of thing but i really appreciate uh your support there and listening to the uh, audiobooks on uh the youtube channel and uh yeah get in touch with me people if you want to hear your uh feedback read on the show Thanks again so much, E. Burnson. All right, let's get into it. The second to last chapter of The Return of Tarzan is coming at you now without further ado. Chapter 25 Through the Forest Primeval For a brief, sickening moment, Tarzan felt the slipping of the rope to which he clung and heard the scraping of the block of stone against the masonry above. Then, of a sudden, the rope was still, the stone had caught at the very edge. Gingerly, the ape-man clambered up the frail rope. In a moment, his head was above the edge of the shaft. The court was empty. The inhabitants of Opar were viewing the sacrifice. Tarzan could hear the voice of La from the nearby sacrificial court. The dance had ceased. It must be almost time for the knife to fall. But even as he thought these things, he was running rapidly toward the sound of the high priestess's voice. 
Fate guided him to the very doorway of the great roofless chamber. Between him and the altar was the low row of priests and priestesses, awaiting with their golden cups the spilling of the warm blood of their victim. Lars' hand was descending slowly toward the bosom of the frail, quiet figure that lay stretched upon the hard stone. Tarzan gave a gasp that was almost a sob as he recognized the features of the girl he loved, and then the scar upon his forehead turned to a flaming band of scarlet, a red mist floated before his eyes, and with the awful roar of the bull-ape gone mad, he sprang like a huge lion into the midst of the votaries. Seizing a cudgel from the nearest priest, he laid about him like a veritable demon as he forged his rapid way toward the altar. The hand of Law had paused at the first noise of interruption. When she saw who the author of it was, she went white. She had never been able to fathom the secret of the strange white man's escape from the dungeon in which she had locked him. She had not intended that he should ever leave Opar, for she had looked upon his giant frame and handsome face with the eyes of a woman and not those of a priestess. In her clever mind, she had concocted a story of wonderful revelation from the lips of the flaming god himself, in which she had been ordered to receive this white stranger as a messenger from him to his people on earth. That would satisfy the people of Opar, she knew. The man would be satisfied, she felt quite sure, to remain and be her husband, rather than to return to the sacrificial altar. But when she had gone to explain her plan to him, he had disappeared though the door had been tightly locked as she had left it. And now he had returned, materialized from thin air, and was killing her priests as though they had been sheep. For the moment she forgot her victim, and before she could gather her wits together again, the huge white man was standing before her, the woman who had lain upon the altar in his arms. "'One side, Law,' he cried. "'You saved me once, and so I would not harm you. But do not interfere or attempt to follow.' or I shall have to kill you also. As he spoke, he stepped past her toward the entrance of the subterranean vaults. Who is she? asked the high priestess, pointing at the unconscious woman. She is mine, said Tarzan of the apes. For a moment, the girl of Opa stood wide-eyed and staring. Then a look of hopeless misery suffused her eyes. Tears welled into them, and with a little cry she sank to the cold floor, just as a swarm of frightful men dashed past her to leap upon the ape-man. But Tarzan of the apes was not there when they reached out to seize him. With a light bound, he had disappeared into the passage leading to the pits below, and when his pursuers came more cautiously after, they found the chamber empty. But they laughed and jabbered to one another, for they knew that there was no exit from the pits, other than the one which he had entered. If he came out at all, he must come this way, and they would wait and watch for him above. And so, Tarzan of the Apes, carrying the unconscious Jane Porter, came through the pits of Opar beneath the temple of the flaming god without pursuit. But when the men of Opar had talked further about the matter, they recalled to mind that this very man had escaped once before into the pits, and though they had watched their entrance, he had not come forth. And yet, today, he had come upon them from the outside. They would again send fifty men out into the valley to find and capture this desecrator of their temple. After Tarzan reached the shaft beyond the broken wall, he felt so positive of the successful issue of his flight that he stopped to replace the tumbled stones, for he was not anxious that any of the inmates should discover this forgotten passage, 
and through it come upon the treasure chamber. It was in his mind to return again to Opar, and bear away a still greater fortune than he had already buried in the amphitheatre of the apes. On through the passageways he trotted, past the first door and through the treasure vault, past the second door and into the long straight tunnel that led to the lofty hidden exit beyond the city. Jane Porter was still unconscious. At the crest of the great boulder he halted to cast a backward glance toward the city. Coming across the plain he saw a band of the hideous men of Opar. For a moment he hesitated. Should he descend and make a race for the distant cliffs, or should he hide here until night? And then a glance of the girl's white face determined him. He could not keep her here and permit her enemies to get between them and liberty. For aught he knew, they might have been followed through the tunnels, and to have foes before and behind would result in almost certain capture, since he could not fight his way through the enemy burdened as he was with the unconscious girl. To descend the steep face of the boulder with Jane Porter was no easy task, but by binding her across his shoulders with a grass rope, he succeeded in reaching the ground in safety before the Oparians arrived at the great rock. As the descent had been made upon the side away from the city, the searching party saw nothing of it, nor did they dream that their prey was so close before them. By keeping the Kopji between them and their pursuers, Tarzan of the Apes managed to cover nearly a mile before the men of Opar rounded the granite sentinel and saw the fugitive before them. With loud cries of savage delight, they broke into a mad run, thinking doubtless that they would soon overhaul the burdened runner. But they both underestimated the powers of the ape-man, and overestimated the possibilities of their own short, crooked legs. By maintaining an easy trot, Tarzan kept the distance between them always the same. Occasionally he would glance at the face so near his own. Had it not been for the faint beating of the heart pressed so close against his own, he would have not known that she was alive, so white and drawn was the poor, tired face. And thus they came to the flat-top mountain and the barrier cliffs. During the last mile Tarzan had let himself out, running like a deer, that he might have ample time to descend the face of the cliffs before the Oparians could reach the summit and hurl rocks down upon them. And so it was that he was half a mile down the mountainside ere the fierce little men came panting to the edge. With cries of rage and disappointment, they ranged along the cliff-top, shaking their cudgels, and dancing up and down in a perfect passion of anger. But this time they did not pursue beyond the boundary of their own country. Whether it was because they recalled the futility of their former long and irksome search, or, after witnessing the ease with which the ape-man swung along before them, and the last burst of speed, they realized the utter hopelessness of further pursuit, it is difficult to say. But as Tarzan reached the woods that began at the base of the foothills which skirted the barrier cliffs, they turned their faces once more toward Opar. Just within the forest's edge, where he could yet watch the cliff-tops, Tarzan laid his burden upon the grass, and going to the nearby rivulet brought water with which he bathed her face and hands. But even this did not revive her, and, greatly worried, he gathered the girl into his strong arms once more and hurried on toward the west. Late in the afternoon, Jane Porter regained consciousness. She did not open her eyes at once. She was trying to recall the scenes that she had last witnessed. Ah, she remembered now. The altar, the terrible priestess, the descending knife. She gave a little shudder, for she thought that either this was death 
although the knife had buried itself in her heart and she was experiencing the brief delirium preceding death. And when finally she mustered courage to open her eyes, the sight that met them confirmed her fears, for she saw that she was being borne through a leafy paradise in the arms of her dead love. If this be death, she murmured, thank God that I am dead. You spoke, Jane, cried Tarzan. You are regaining consciousness. Yes, Tarzan of the Apes, she replied, and for the first time in months a smile of peace and happiness lighted her face. Thank God, cried the ape-man, coming to the ground in a little grassy clearing beside the stream. I was in time after all. In time? What do you mean? she questioned. In time to save you from death upon the altar, dear, he replied. Do you not remember? Save me from death? she asked in a puzzled tone. Are we not both dead, my Tarzan? He had placed her upon the grass by now, her back resting against the stem of a huge tree. At her question, he stepped back where he could better see her face. Dead? he repeated, and then he laughed. You are not, Jane, and if you will return to the city of Opar and ask them who dwell there, they will tell you that I was not dead a few short hours ago. No, dear, we are both very much alive. But both Hazel and Monsieur Theron told me that you had fallen into the ocean many miles from land, she urged, as though trying to convince him that he must indeed be dead. They said that there was no question, but that it must have been you, unless that you could have survived or been picked up. How can I convince you that I am no spirit? he asked with a laugh. It was I whom the delightful Monsieur Thurin pushed overboard, but I did not drown. I will tell you all about it after a while, and here I am, very much the same wild man you first knew, Jane Porter. The girl rose slowly to her feet and came toward him. I cannot even yet believe it, she murmured. It cannot be that such happiness can be true after all the hideous things that I have passed through these awful months since the Lady Alice went down. She came close to him and laid a hand, soft and trembling, upon his arm. It must be that I am dreaming, and that I shall awaken in a moment to see that awful knife descending toward my heart. Kiss me, dear, just once, before I lose my dream forever. Tarzan of the apes needed no second invitation. He took the girl he loved in his strong arms and kissed her not once, but a hundred times, until she lay there panting for breath. Yet when he stopped, she put her arms around his neck and drew his lips down to hers once more. Am I alive and a reality, or am I but a dream? he asked. If you are not alive, my man, she answered. I pray that I may die thus before I awaken to the terrible realities of my last waking moments. For a while both were silent, gazing into each other's eyes as though each still questioned the reality of the wonderful happiness that had come to them. The past, with all its hideous disappointments and horrors, was forgotten. The future did not belong to them, but the present, ah, uh, it was theirs. None could take it from them. It was the girl who first broke the sweet silence. Where are we going, dear? she asked. What are we going to do? Where would you like best to go? he asked. What would you like best to do? 
To go where you go, my man, to do whatever seems best to you, she answered. But Clayton, he asked. For a moment, he had forgotten that there existed upon the earth other than they two. We have forgotten your husband. I'm not married, Tarzan of the Apes, she cried, nor am I longer promised in marriage. The day before those awful creatures captured me, I spoke to Mr. Clayton of my love for you, and he understood then that I could not keep the wicked promise that I had made. It was after we had been miraculously saved from an attacking lion. She paused suddenly and looked up at him, a questioning light in her eyes. Tarzan of the Apes, she cried. It was you who did that thing. It could have been no other. He dropped his eyes, for he was ashamed. How could you have gone away and left me? She cried reproachfully. Don't, Jane, he pleaded. Please don't. You cannot know how I have suffered since for the cruelty of that act, or how I suffered then, first in jealous rage, and then in bitter resentment against the fate that I had not deserved. I went back to the apes after that, Jane, intending never again to see a human being. He told her then of his life since he had returned to the jungle, of how he had dropped like a plummet from a civilized Parisian to a savage Waziri warrior, and from there back to the brute that he had been raised. She asked him many questions, and at last fearfully of the many things that Monsieur Thurin had told her, of the woman in Paris. He narrated every detail of his civilized life to her, omitting nothing, for he felt no shame, since his heart had always been true to her. When he had finished, he sat looking at her, as though waiting for her judgment, and his sentence. "'I knew that he was not speaking the truth,' she said. "'Oh, what a horrible creature he is!' "'You are not angry with me, then?' he asked. And her reply, though apparently most irrelevant, was truly feminine. "'Is Olga de Coud very beautiful?' she asked. And Tarzan laughed and kissed her again. "'Not one-tenth so beautiful as you, dear,' he said. She gave a contented little sigh and let her hand rest against his shoulder. He knew that he was forgiven. That night Tarzan built a snug little bower high among the swaying branches of a giant tree, and there the tired girl slept, while in a crotch beneath her the ape-man curled, ready even in sleep to protect her. It took many days to make the long journey to the coast. Where the way was easy, they walked hand in hand beneath the arching boughs of the mighty forest, as might in a far-gone past have walked their primeval forebears. When the underbrush was tangled, he took her in his great arms and bore her lightly through the trees, and the days were all too short, for they were very happy. Had it not been for their anxiety to reach and succor Clayton, they would have drawn out the sweet pleasure of that wonderful journey indefinitely. On the last day before they reached the coast, Tarzan caught the scent of men ahead of them, the scent of black men. He told the girl and cautioned her to maintain silence. There are few friends in the jungle, he remarked dryly. In half an hour, they came stealthily upon a small party of black warriors, filing toward the west. As Tarzan saw them, he gave a cry of delight. It was a band of his own Waziri. Busuli was there, and others who had accompanied him to Opar. At sight of him, they danced and cried out in exuberant joy. For weeks they had been searching for him, they told him. The blacks exhibited considerable wonderment at the presence of the white girl with him, 
and when they found that she was to be his woman, they vied with one another to do her honor. With a happy Waziri laughing and dancing about them, they came to the rude shelter by the shore. There was no sign of life, and no response to their calls. Tarzan clambered quickly to the interior of the little tree hut, only to emerge a moment later with an empty tin. Throwing it down to Basuli, he told him to fetch water, and then he beckoned Jane Porter to come up. Together, they leaned over the emaciated thing that once had been an English nobleman. Tears came to the girl's eyes as she saw the poor, sunken cheeks and hollow eyes, and the lines of suffering upon the once young and handsome face. He still lives, said Tarzan. We will do all that can be done for him, but I fear that we are too late. When Busuli had brought the water, Tarzan forced a few drops between the cracked and swollen lips. He wetted the hot forehead and bathed the pitiful limbs. Presently, Clayton opened his eyes. A faint, shadowy smile lighted his countenance as he saw the girl leaning over him. At sight of Tarzan, the expression changed to one of wonderment. "'It's all right, old fellow,' said the ape-man. "'We've found you in time. Everything will be all right now, and we'll have you on your feet again before you know it.' The Englishman shook his head weakly. "'It's too late,' he whispered. "'But it's just as well. I'd rather die.' "'Where is Monsieur Thurin?' asked the girl. "'He left me after the fever got bad. He is a devil.' When I begged for the water that I was too weak to get, he drank before me, threw the rest out, and laughed in my face. At the thought of it, the man was suddenly animated by a spark of vitality. He raised himself upon one elbow. Yes, he almost shouted. I will live. I will live enough to find and kill that beast. But the brief effort left him weaker than before and he sank back again upon the rotting grasses that, with his old ulster, had been the bed of Jane Porter. "'Don't worry about Thurin,' said Tarzan of the apes, laying a reassuring hand on Clayton's forehead. "'He belongs to me, and I shall get him in the end. Never fear.' For a long time, Clayton lay very still. Several times, Tarzan had to put his ear quite close to the sunken chest to catch the faint beating of the worn-out heart. Toward evening, he aroused again for a brief moment. Jane, he whispered. The girl bent her head closer to catch the faint message. I have wronged you, and him. He nodded weakly toward the ape-man. I loved you so. It is a poor excuse to offer for injuring you, but I cannot bear to think of giving you up. I do not ask your forgiveness, I only wish to do the thing now I should have done over a year ago. He fumbled in the pocket of the ulster beneath him for something that he had discovered there while he lay between the paroxysms of fever. Presently, he found it. A crumpled bit of yellow paper. He handed it to the girl, and as she took it, his arm fell limply across his chest, his head dropped back, and with a little gasp, he stiffened and was still. Then... Tarzan of the apes drew a fold of the ulster across the upturned face. For a moment, they remained kneeling there, the girl's lips moving in silent prayer, and as they rose and stood on either side of the now peaceful form, tears came to the ape-man's eyes, for through the anguish that his own heart had suffered, he had learned compassion for the suffering of others.
Through her own tears, the girl read the message upon the bit of faded yellow paper, and as she read, her eyes went very wide. Twice she read those startling words before she could fully comprehend their meaning. Fingerprints prove you, Greystoke. Congratulations. They are not. She handed the paper to Tarzan. And he has known it all this time, she said, and did not tell you. I knew it first, Jane, replied Tarzan. I did not know that he knew it at all. I must have dropped this message that night in the waiting room. It was there that I received it. And afterward you told us that your mother was a she-ape, and that you had never known your father? She asked incredulously. The titles and the estates meant nothing to me without you, dear, he replied. And if I had taken them away from him, I should have been robbing the woman I love. Don't you understand, Jane? It was as though he attempted to excuse a fault. She extended her arms toward him across the body of the dead man, and took his hands in hers. And I would have thrown away a love like that, she said. Alrighty. The truth finally finds its way out. Pretty cool. Glad that uh, Tarzan and uh, Jane are finally reunited. Took them long enough. Entire book, goodness sakes. But... We do have one more chapter, and you never know what might happen in the span of a chapter. So, make sure to listen in here next week where we'll be doing the exciting conclusion to The Return of Tarzan. I cannot believe they were almost done with another book. Um, I can't, I've lost track of how many books we've done on this podcast, uh, but it's a lot. So if you haven't listened to the backlist, go check that out. We do the first Tarzan book. We've done Pride and Prejudice. We've done, uh, yeah, tons of Sherlock books. We've done all kinds of awesome stuff. So go check those out. And uh, if you'd like to give a suggestion for what book you'd like to hear next, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, just go to anotherworldaudiobooks.com and there's all the social media links or you can just check them out in the show notes down below. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Carl. Hi. 
Carl needs a website for his business. I sell the world's finest flavored toothpicks. But sadly for Carl, he doesn't know all the techie, complicated website stuff. So he's just out of luck, and his business is doomed to fail in this digital age of- Um, actually, I got my website set up super fast and easy with Invicta.services. You- what? Yeah, it was super easy. I just picked the style I liked, made a few quick, simple customizations, and bam! Awesome website where I can sell my flavored toothpicks. But that's, well... Amazing? I was going to say, probably expensive. Actually, getting a website with Invicta starts at only $24 per month. $24 per month? That's less than what I spend on vocal creams per month. It's awesome. It gets you website hosting, a beautiful, professionally designed, customizable template, ongoing site maintenance, regular WordPress plugin, and template updates. I don't say this often. But, wow. I know, right? Invicta.services. A simple, affordable way to get a beautiful, professional website for your business. Just go to Invicta.services to launch your website today. That's Invicta. I-N-V-I-C-T-A dot services. Invicta.services. A professional website. Headache free. And just for Another World Audiobooks listeners, go to Invicta.services and then enter the code ANOTHERWORLD to get your first month free. That's right, go to Invicta.services and enter ANOTHERWORLD as your coupon code to get an entire month free and get started with your professional website at Invicta.services.